we move into our, really our last message in this series called Right on the Money. Um, once I find that last one, here it is uh, in my notes. We'll get to it in just a moment. Uh, we'll be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm going to be preaching verses 3 through 9. Uh, it'll sound very familiar to you. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible or you don't want to open your app. Um, uh, you use UVerse app if you haven't ha- downloaded one. That is a great one to download. All right, we're going to talk about right on the money. Uh, let, me do the, let me tell you a couple things before I read the text and get into it. I, I failed to mention just a moment ago, uh, even though I was asked right before I got up here, um, I know it's been kind of crazy with the school schedule, with the weather, and, and uh, just, just kind of break and, and not get, being back in there, uh, so it kind of loses uh, out of sight, out of mind. But if you've helped in the past uh, and are still able to help with the backpack program, just bringing in um, uh, simple food products, uh, non-perishable, uh, Sandra will still take those and still help the student that needs those on the weekend. They get the, the, the meals through the week, but on the weekend there's not, there's not enough funding, and so we stepped up to the plate and we helped those. Uh, and so please, if you have not, you have brought a bunch, and we thank you for that. I uh, just wanted to remind, remind you of that. If you have not brought those in, please do. Uh, when, when, are you still with me? Say amen. When do we want to have our opening first Sunday at our downtown campus? April 1st, Easter Sunday, I'll take both of those uh, because that is April 1st, it is Easter Sunday. Crazy, right? But uh, super, super excited about being down there. Uh, we, we will start, when we get closer to that move-in date, we'll start putting on the screen uh, how we want you to strategically park and things of this nature. We've had that question come up. Even though we're, our building now we know is rated at occupancy of about 500 people, uh, 263 in the sanctuary, uh, and about 100 in the children's uh, ministries. What we run on Sunday is the two major things that we have happen. Um, and uh, we have average here somewhere around, I would say, uh, somewhere around 70 vehicles, okay? And the parking lot downtown campus, the just, just the parking lot, uh, that won't hold all of those cars. And so we have a strategic plan for, for street parking across the neighbors. Our staff will park a different place. Um, so just know that before we, before we get down there, if that comes up or if that comes up in conversations, you're inviting people or they've already commented and go, how are you guys going to fit in there? Well, this, you just tell them that we have a plan. All right. And, uh, above that, tell them Jesus has a plan because we're just being obedient to him. Uh, even, even greater than that. So we add to your prayer. If we hadn't already told you this, we have our eye or our heart on the property that's down below us. So once we get in there and get that debt paid down, I'd like to make an offer on that that corner lot that's right below us, and then we can turn it into parking or anything else that we want to do. Of course, I would like to buy the whole block. I mean, that would just be a great thing for me, and I know it would be for the community and for the Lord. But back to the main thing at hand, just be praying with us, all right, that God is going to do some incredible things. Right on the money, message four. Uh, I'm going to end this series today, as I said this already to you. I mean, to be redundant, I'm excited. Um, last year, I did not do what we call the 28 or 29 days of commitment or the challenge, and uh, several people asked me, why did we not do that, where I take that, that month and talk about the mind, the body, and the soul, um, and so I'm going to go back to that, but I'm just going to rebrand it. I'm going to call this next series, or we're going to call this next series, the You Movement, all right, the You Movement. It'll be 28 days uh, to focus on your best self, okay, all right, and so I'm excited about that. We'll partner with some local uh, gyms and, and business and nutrients, uh, 
Uh, we'll get a lot of information to you. We're excited about that. But I, I wanted to take it a step further. Uh, we, we'll try to observe the Daniel fast. Uh, and uh, we've got a lot to fast about. Some of you are going, oh, Lord, there we go again. We had not done that in a while. Uh, if you say, well, what's that about? All you got to do is Google it. Uh, one, not that you've got to like him, but uh, if you want to uh, Google Jensen Franklin. Uh, and uh, he, he has got a lot of information uh, about the Daniel fast and uh, so on and so forth, but I'm excited about it. We're going to call it the you movement. I am excited about trying to remind you of who you are in the temple of God and how you are to love yourself before you can love your neighbor. So we're super excited about that, the you movement next month. And I started planning out the rest of the year. So we're really, really, really on the move here at one. Now, right on the money, stewardship, stewardship. Tried to really focus this year on really simple titles to help you remember these things. The first one was this. It was that you, you and I have got to have a starting point. That starting point for us as children of God is that everything belongs to God and everything comes from God. So he doesn't sit up there holding it all. He wants to give it to you. Matter of fact, he said he'll open the windows of heaven and pour out his blessing. If we would simply do it and ask and do it his way, that's the starting point. So the starting point for us and to get our mind off all this worldly stuff is to know that he owns it all and he gives us what we need and sometimes even what we want are the desires of our heart and he's a good God. The next thing I, I wanted to talk to you about and remind you was that you got to have simple perspective. Instead of always having this scarcity cycle of there's never enough, I never have enough time, I never get enough done, I never have enough money, I never have uh, enough they break that cycle by looking at the things the way God looks at it and what he says, even if it's a simple rod in your hand or a little oil and a little flour or if it's just some fish and some loaves, that it's always more than enough. That you've got to start with what you have. Some of you said, I haven't even got to the 10% tithe yet. Well, listen, start where you are. Start giving a dollar. Start giving $2. Start giving $5. Start, you understand that, right? That you start giving. You start with what you have. Give your time, your talent, and your treasure. So you've got to have the starting point. You've got to have a simple perspective. And then we talked about uh, that you've got to have a strategic plan. You've got to have a strategic plan. There's got to be a way of doing it, and God has set that up for you, and I tried to break that down as best as I possibly could for you and understand that God deals wonderfully with fragments, okay, uh, as he will always do things in an abundant fashion if we will give it to him. This closing message, I'm going to take it just a little bit different than talking about our time, our talent, and our treasure, but just kind of look at this overall thing and talk about set up proper, set up proper. One of the things that, that I pull from my past is that uh, for years, before I went into the ministry full-time, I, I was a CNC operator, to start with, computerized, numerically controlled machines. All right? I specialized in meals. Okay? My dad and my brother, they specialized really in both, but in, the, in lathes. Okay? And uh, so you'd have to do a lot of math, have to learn how to read blueprints, go to school to learn all these, this, this good stuff. But as I started out as an operator, you with me? Say amen. One of the things that I moved next to was becoming a CNC setup guy. And so I would, I would get the blueprint. I would get all the tooling, all the right uh, things that would be needed for the operator to run it. And then eventually, before I went full-time into the ministry, I was a CNC programmer where I, could, where I could put the coding into the machines and it would do the work, okay? All right, so as an operator, one of the things that I learned is that if I don't set it up properly, set up proper, stay with the title, 
If I don't set it up properly, the part that the company has ordered, all right, that may go on an aircraft, an automobile, a motorcycle, subway, I've, I've, I've made parts for all kinds of Mack trucks. Uh, um, anyway, if I didn't set it up properly, by the time it, it, it was made and if it got through inspection and made it to the manufacturer and they put it on there, guess what would happen to the, to the airplane or to the subway uh, train or to the motorcycle? It is gonna be def- it's going to be defective and it, it's liable to cause an accident, okay? It wouldn't have made it. I'm not saying that it would made it because of a safety program and all that stuff, but it began to think about how important it is to set things up. Well, most of you know that this, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, would I run a chainsaw, I'd have told you, you've lost your mind. I'll cut a limb off. You know, I, I didn't, and I don't mean a limb off a tree, okay? So uh, make sure I clarify that. But one of the things that I've learned hanging out with Heath and helping him from time to time, and, and sometimes all the time, but helping him, is that, and it's, and it's really a neat thing for me to observe and to be a part of, and now I've done it so much with him that I kind of have an idea of uh, it's, what it's going to take to get the job done. And it's the setup. It's all in the setup. Where to put the pulleys, where to, where, where to, where to make the, sure the rope is tied off, where to measure for the fall so it doesn't hit this or it doesn't hit that or it, or it just lands. If you watch some of the videos he puts up, uh, uh, a lot of that's just the grace of God, but a, but a big part of that is strategically set up. And so then, if you own that same line with me, because a lot of people can think mechanically like that, you can think about that and put it into application about something you do, uh, maybe uh, your career or your homework. If you don't set up proper, if you don't study right, if you don't set everything up, it won't run efficiently. Well, let's take it here in the area of stewardship, and let's talk about the next generation. Now, I'm not just talking about to... To, not just talking to the parents in here, because if you're a part of one community church, if, you, if you're a human being out there in the world, there is somebody that is looking up to you. There's somebody you're influencing. And so what I want to challenge you, especially you parents, grandparents, is that you and I have the great responsibility as a steward of those children in our lives or around us or the people around us to set them up proper, to set them up to be good, productive functioning Christians in the society and the kingdom to come, all right? And so what happens, though, in the area of stewardship, and I, I promise you, when I, when I give all of this information out to you, I promise you, and those watching online, I'm not preaching down to you, all right? I promise you that this sermon has nailed me just like every other sermon, and they are a byproduct of my personal devotion to the Lord and leadership to my children and to you and in the community. So don't, don't think that I've come up here just guns blazing and trying to, trying to, to, to hurt you or for you to leave uh, disappointed or frustrated or feeling less as a parent or less as a person. I don't want you to do that or watching and listening or later watching and listening. I want you to understand that we want to break that cycle and we want, to, we want to accept the responsibility as stewards and do the best that we can. Now, it doesn't mean that if we, if we do all the things that God tells us to do as parents, that our children are going to grow up and be the best Christian, productive adults. That doesn't happen. I'm sure my mom and my grandmother, they're praying for me. They were like, Lord, he's not even going to make it to 25. He's not even going to make it to 30. He's not, I don't even know if he'll ever grow up. And in some ways, I pray I never grow up. But in a lot of areas, because of the power of prayer and the consistency in my life, there was some changes that took place. So don't leave here beat up, but I, I want to talk about set up proper. And I'm going to get there, but before I, I, I give you the, the, the things that I, I think we ought to give the next generation, I want to talk about some things in introduction about 
the ways that we hurt our next generation by giving them. We don't, and we don't do it intentionally. You with me? We don't do it intentionally. I didn't do these things intentionally, okay, but I'm guilty of them. But we just, we just somehow unintentionally, we let these things happen. This is how we, if you take notes, you want to start taking notes, okay? Because there is no 100% guarantee that I'll put the outline up later, Robin. I mean, just, I try really hard, okay? Um, Robin Pat, she stays on me about that in a good way, in a, good, in a loving way too because it keeps me accountable. But here's some things that we give that hurts the next generation. The first one is this, is we give them praise they don't deserve. We give them praise they don't deserve. You see, when you hear that, it sounds like, wait a minute, we should encourage our kids, right? We should encourage the next generation. We should encourage them and we should, we should praise them. I, I didn't say we shouldn't. But, but when we praise them all the time and we praise them when they don't deserve it, 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 it builds a complex in them. And, it, it, and here's what happens. We, we begin to say to them, you're the best in the world. You're the greatest. You, you, they're, they're, I'm talking about you are, you, are a, you are the best. And you praise them and praise them. And what happens is, is, is that even, even though, and you say, well, this don't really happen. Y'all remember this show? I think it's coming back out this year. I'm not sure. I'm not up to date on all my TV shows. But y'all remember this crazy little show called American Idol? If you don't think that people are not a byproduct of this, watch some of the tryouts. Because I promise you, some of them, yes, they're just trying to be silly on TV. But there's some of them, I mean, I mean literally brokenhearted when they get up there and they tell them, you suck, right? And listen, they didn't even have to tell them, right? I mean, you could just listen. I mean, it's just crazy, right? But this is what hurts the next generation is that we praise them when they don't deserve it. There's times you need to tell them, listen, that's not good. That's not good. Lana, you can sing in the shower. I'm just picking on Lana. And it hurts them. And what it does is we unintentionally let them grow up thinking that they only, watch this, they only perform for praise. And, and, and can I be real with you? And most of you adults, you see, I, I don't intentionally do this because I, I tell my, my kids all the time, you know who you are, you know whose you are, and, 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 and really beneath those two things, understand you're a hindrance. And we want to make, make people and people before us proud and that you are a winner. You are a champion. I told you yesterday, you are already a champion. Not because of winning a title, but because of who you are, and capital W, who you are. What happens, though, is that if we, if we don't break this cycle, we, we let them grow up thinking that they only perform for praise. And, 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 and parents, adults, what happens is that you and I know this well. There are things you're going to do. I promise you, there are things that you're going to do that no one will ever walk up to you and pat you on the back for doing. And I'm going to tell you where I see it, and it's called the church. It's called being a pastor. Do you know how many people have left upset because I, I and, and unintentionally, I didn't acknowledge something they did or something that, that they wanted me to acknowledge? I mean, I've had people literally, I mean, you're with me, right? I'm not trying to be mean. There's nobody here this morning. But I've had people that didn't, that, that, listen, they went a few weeks, but because I wouldn't hang out with them all the time, I wouldn't acknowledge them and, and use their name all the time and wouldn't, wouldn't post, that they left the church. They just left the, the, or this community because they're the church, but they just, you understand what I'm saying? And this is the mentality that we're teaching our younger, that, listen, that I've got to get a praise all the time. Dad, the teacher recognizes everybody else, but she never recognizes me. So what? Do work. 
do work. Work hard in silence and let the success be that which screams loud. So here's giving that hurts the next generation. We give them praise they don't deserve. Number two, we give them things they didn't earn. Wow. Whoa. I'm guilty. Holy smoke. Mine have not the latest, but the next to the latest iPhones, right? And I can't tell you how many times I've had to say, get your nose out of the stinking phone. And I'm thinking, why did I give them that? I'll talk more about that in just a moment. We give them things they, they didn't earn. Watch this. And then I'm just picking, and I'm not picking on anybody. I'm, I'm, I'm just, just think about it for a moment to get your mind get engaged with me about set up proper. This is the improper way to set your kids up. I have never seen such elaborate birthday parties. I mean, my kids get invited, and, and I'm thinking, well, the gift we got at the dollar store, don't it? I mean, why are we even going to bring it out? You know what I'm saying? Don't look at me like that either. Don't you look at me like that. Our go-to is a gift card, by the way. Amen? Amen. I mean, we rent whole buildings out. And I'm not saying you should, again, I'm not saying you shouldn't, and I'm saying I'm guilty of this. Ponies, paint project, I'm just saying, and all the big cakes, and, and, and I'm not saying you shouldn't get a man to make those big cakes, and all that, I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's business or feelings. I'm just saying, can you see this for a moment, how this hurts the next generation? And we're seeing some of that now, and we're complaining about them, but we're the ones that are setting them up improper. We're not being good stewards of them. It's like everybody plays on your team, coach. Everybody wants to play, and everybody wants a trophy at the end. All right? The reality is, some can't play. They don't have the ability. They're good at other things, but they may not be good at this. And so what happens is, is we give them things they don't earn. It's like, and I thought about this too. We have come to a place in our society now that we, we even throw them parties before they're actually physically born. Exploding golf balls to tell what the gender will be. Exploding baseballs, shotguns, cannons. I've seen it all. Big parties to have a gender reveal, right? I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not criticizing you. I'm saying what we're doing is setting them up improperly and all that stuff. They turn 16 and we give them a car. And most of the time, you're listening to me? Most of the time, the 16-year-old that has the car, the car is better then the teacher that's teaching them drives themselves. And they're working their butt off. And don't you look at me like that because you've had some snot-nosed punk cut you off in traffic and the big, nice, jacked-up truck or fancy sports car, and you said, Mom and Daddy spoiled brat. Because your pinto won't keep up with them. Y'all all right? I know you feel this message. I knew it because this guy is right here in me. I'm telling you. We do them an injustice. We, we do not set them up properly when we give them praise they don't deserve. We give them things they didn't earn. And we unintentionally teach them that they can only perform for praise. And we unintentionally let them grow up thinking that they have an attitude or thinking that they're entitled to things. I thought we'd end on a bang. The third thing I think that we do that's that setting improper is not only we give them praise they didn't deserve, we give them things they didn't earn, but we give them freedom they can't handle. Mm. A couple years ago now, I think it was two years at Christmas time or last Christmas maybe, I think it was two years, it come time, the girls we feel like was responsible enough to have phones. Well, when, 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 when little mama or when Sandra did all of the research which she does to the 10th power, in, in weeks of research, the most economical thing for our family to do was to add them to our plan 
and to go ahead and the money-wise, might as well just get them the iPhone Plus and all the bells and whistles, right? It, was just, it just made sense. And it's one they can grow with, okay? It's one that, because until they get ready to buy their own, that's what they're going to have. But what we didn't anticipate, or maybe I didn't anticipate, is that with that phone comes access to the entire world. And what happens is most of the time, and, and I have to say to them, they know this, right? In my house, and I'm not trying to say my house is better than yours because I'm telling you, I struggle with anger, with, with selfishness, with grumpiness, with lack of sleep, with, with my OCD ways and their sloppy ways, and I'm just going to say it like it is, and, 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 and all this good stuff, right? And, and I drive people crazy. So don't think, don't think that, that that stinking, stupid little preacher and his little preacher wife and his perfect little family. No, 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 no. We're far from it. Matter of fact, if you really want to know how bad it is, let Lana take one of her shoes off. You will see how bad we really stink. You know what I'm saying? All right. Now stay with me, okay? And so what I did not, I did not factor in, right? I love picking on my kids. Addie's not with us this morning. I'd pick on her even worse. All right. What I did not factor in was that this unlimited access and that what we do in our house now is that there's a certain time in the day, okay, especially in the afternoon when we get in, we get things done, homework's done, and we don't have to be somewhere. There comes a time phones are put up. We don't, listen to me, we don't allow our kids, okay, we don't allow our kids to have their phones in their bedrooms. We don't allow them to have their phones in the bathroom. Now, I don't know if you have a problem with that with your kids, but mine, especially Addie, want to take hers in the bathroom. Uh, she is just a... She's just a bathroom kind of hangout chick. I, I don't know where she gets that from, but she just goes in there and hangs out. You know what I'm saying? And so, but we don't allow that. We don't even allow them to charge their phone in their bedroom. They're charged in the living room or the kitchen or the dining area. And what I did not, under, what I did not realize is that with these phones, this, this, this freedom they could not handle because the next thing you know, they would disappear. And for hours, there'd be Netflix, and there'd be YouTube, and, they'd, and, 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 and Instagram, and Snapchat, and hours. And, and what happens is, is we give them freedom that they, they're not ready to handle yet, and they have all this access to all these things that bombard them and teach them things that we're not ready for them to learn, or that we should be teaching them ourselves. And so when giving hurts, it's, it's not that we set out intentionally to do that, but we unintentionally, we let them play the video game they want. Hey, listen, when he, I'm not a gamer, never was, I had one of the... I had an Atari, and I had one of the first Nintendos that was, uh, that was it. I mean, that's it, okay? I just, I just never was, and I'm not knocking it, I just never was a guy uh, that was into gaming, right? But some of you, your kids are into gaming, and there's nothing wrong with that, but what's wrong with it is when you let them play any game they want to play. But Heath was telling me about certain games. I didn't have a clue, right? He was telling me about certain games because mo- they monitor what Braden and, and, and Ari, but especially Braden, what he, what he plays and, and the rating on it and all this good stuff. Why do you think they got to put a rating on it? And he was telling me some of, the, some of the things that you can access and some of the, the characters you can choose and some of the places they go and some of the things they do. And I was like, good Lord, that's just soft porn, man. And I don't want the world teaching my daughters about sex. And I for sure don't want some little boy teaching my daughters about sex. Y'all all right? Because I like to teach them about a 12-gauge. Or at least two machine guns. I'm just saying, right? Stay with me. Stay with me. I'm, I don't, because I don't want to get too thick and you think I'm trying to be mean to you or trying to be, I'm not, listen, unintentionally I've done the same thing. And we let them, we let them play games and, and we don't look at it and we don't check up. Listen, the other thing we do with, the, with, with our phones, I don't know why I'm chasing this rabbit, but I'm chasing this rabbit, right, is that every, every day or every couple of days I get both phones or we get both of the phones and we go through all the messages and we go through all the Instagram and we go through all of the stuff that they have and we read everything. 
And we delete stuff. If we don't, yeah, if we delete stuff. Mama's talking about it down here. If we think that they're, they're following something that's inappropriate or even close to being inappropriate, it gets deleted. Unfollow. We're not better than you. We're just, I'm just letting you into my life. Okay? Do, do, our, do our girls like it? <laughs> no. Get poochy. Right? Now, they may grow up. They may grow up. And rob the liquor store on the corner, I don't know. God forbid. Okay? I don't know. I'm not saying kids are perfect. They're not. Far from it. They're PKs, probably the worst of the bunch outside of the trustees' kids, since we don't have deacons here. It, it, it hurts them unintentionally when we give them freedom they can't handle. And, and what happens is when we start, and you think it's stupid because I'm just make, talking about this, this unlimited access to media and the video games. Well, if it starts there at a young age, and, it, and sometimes, you're listening to me, I don't mean to hurt you. Sometimes I know life gets really busy and hectic. I know, right? And so sometimes you let that, even as a toddler, you let that video or video game be your babysitter because you just need a break. And so unintentionally, you start out young. And unintentionally, you hurt them by giving them freedom they can't handle. And, and they'll, they'll listen, they'll think when they grow up, as they grow up, that life's all about, watch this, what they want. And, and then when they get 16 and they get that car that they didn't earn, they'll think they can go anywhere they want to go in that car. I'm going to have a cutoff. I, listen, I've got some folks that are smart with technology. I'm going to have one of them switches on it that if it gets beyond where it alerts me on my phone, I'm going to have a kill switch. It's just going to die right there. And they won't have AAA. They'll have to call Big Daddy. And then I'm going to say, why was you over there? Hey, listen, but we didn't have technology back when I was as, as crazy as I was, but I, t- I tell this story all the time. As a kid, I was at somebody's house. The phone rings. And Big John, no one that you know, yeah, you probably do, but no one here. He said, hey, Joe, your mama's on the phone in front of everybody. I get on the phone and say, you got five minutes to be home or I'm coming with a baseball bat. So I just got a modern way of doing that. We unintentionally do these things, and, and, we, and, we, and, we, and I want you to, and I laugh about it. We laugh about it, but the reason we laugh about it is because we find ourselves in that area. And, I, and listen, I want my kids to have nice things. I want them to go nice places. I, 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 I do, okay? But I want to get your mind thinking about how we unintentionally, we set our kids up for failure, for disappointment. Did you know I read something before I move on to the, to the I'm, I'm getting there, media team. I'm so sorry. They're ready. For, they're on the trigger. They're like, can you just read the scripture and let us move on? Did you know, I, I, and you may have known this, I didn't have a clue. But did you know, before 1941, give or take a year, I'm trying to pull this from memory. Before 1941, there was no such terminology or labeling as a teenager. Look it up. Before 1940, it was, it was, it was post-depression era. And it was an article that came out in Reader's Digest, if I remember this correctly, that used the term teenager. Did you know before 1941, there were kids and there were adults? Now we've created this generation or this little, this little group that they're teenagers, and, and, and because we have created this teenagers, because they, they still act like kids, we've got them growing up and they won't even leave your house. Hey, and moving to your basement is not, or the attic or the bonus room, is not them moving out. Y'all think I'm kidding, man. I pastored about every kind of family out there. 
And I've heard it all. And as I'm raising mine, I've told them from the very beginning, when you get old enough, you gone. Out. Matter of fact, we're probably moving off and not even going to tell you where we're moving. We'll contact you. If it shows up private, that'd be us. I found that crazy, man, that up until 1941, it was you were a kid or you were an adult. A child or an adult. And may I just submit to you, parents, may I submit to you that, that as I've got one, uh, February the 11th, that will be an official teenager, will be 13 this year. I've got one followed right behind her in August the 11th, that she will be an official teenager, she'll be 13 this year. That the more that I, that I see them grow and the older they get, and yes, they're learning some things and they're maturing in, a, in, in somewhat of a good way, but I want you to understand, the, the longer I spend with them, the more I see that they're still just children. They're just kids. I love last night, we were watching something, and we were trying to find something on Netflix, and gosh darn, if it is not hard to find something, because everything's rated R, rated MA, or, or, or whatever, and uh, she, she's laying on the, 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 the love seat, and, and she's, she's just out of the blue, she goes, when will I be mature? We, we did that exact thing, we both just laughed. I'm, I'm kind of flabbergasted, I'm like, the fact that you even asked that, I don't, I don't know if I have an answer for that. I don't know. I don't know. But that's our Atlanta banana. She's just talking about when she can watch things that are rated mature. I said, uh, when you're off on your own, 18, 19, whatever. 16 if you, you mess with me. I, I mean, <laughs> kick you out. <laughs> watch out. Aunt Selena and Uncle West, she'll be right over there. And so I lighten the mood, but I, 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 we unintentionally do those things. I was told something about Addie. They thought something about Addie, her mother or grandfather. And uh, last week, I, I won't go into details, it, it, but it was a, something that had been misplaced. And, and so they thought, well, hey, did Addie, you know, pick that up? Or, or, and, and, so, and I'm going to tell you something. Until I got a chance to speak with Addie, and they weren't accusing. They were just saying, hey, we just tore the place apart. I was, I was man, I was devastated. I texted Sandra two or three times. I said, my nerves tore slam up. Now, I believe with all my heart my daughter wouldn't do that. I'm, I'm just saying anybody can do anything, and I have the propensity to do anything myself. No one is. No one is uh, uh, perfect. And I want you to know if you're a parent and your kid is, man, they're, they're, they're in the trouble or they stay in there or they're wayward now, don't, don't be discouraged by these things. Don't, don't beat yourself up. We all do these things. I unintentionally have, have, have set mine up improperly. But what I want to do before I let you go this morning very quickly is just talk about set up properly. So if, we go, if we've done these things unintentionally, we've got to do some things that are intentional. And, and I want to use the scripture. I, I want to I look where Moses taught. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, you're still there. It'll be back on the screen. The, the, the team will put it back up, and, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll be quick with this, these, these three thoughts I have. Deuteronomy 6, uh, 3 through 9. Moses' theme is obeying God's word, especially in a world where uh, it, it just it seems like most ignore the word of God. And I mean, this is in his day, so it's relevant in the 21st century, but that most ignore the word of God, or they just disobey it deliberately. And so he's setting them up, and, he, and let's just jump in in verse 3. He said, listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Verse 4, listen up, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commandments that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again 
to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates, intentionally setting them up proper, set up proper. Three things that I think we must intentionally give the next generation if we're going to set them up proper. The first one is this, I won't dilly-dally. A community, a community worth having. A community worth having. I I see that when I read verse 4. He also says it uh, um, in in verse 3, I believe, but definitely verse 4. He says, listen, O what? Israel. He's talking about all the people. He's talking about the community. He's talking about the family. Hear or listen, O Israel. If we're going to set our kids or set the next generation up properly to succeed, then we've got to give them a community that's worth having. It's, it, what it is, it's not just their faith. You understand what he's saying? It's our God. If you read what Moses is saying, he is saying that it's a community thing. Now, you have to be individually born again. You can't be born again because your mama's born again or your grandpa was Billy Graham. You, you, you can't have that. You've got to have individual salvation. But once you are saved individually, the most awesome thing about this journey is that you become part of this big family, this big community. And it literally carries with the the idea a family. It's not just your faith, but it's a family thing. It's our faith. What connected them, what connected them was the Lord God and how he was the one God or God alone. What, what really in my study is that the Hebrew word there for alone, it, it means one in the numerical sense of oneness, but it also meant one in unity, that they were all together. It also it also denoted the idea or the meaning that this, there was this uniqueness about them. There's something different about them. And so when we gather ourselves together and we want to set our kids up proper, we've got to give them a community that is worth having. A community worth having. We want them to grow up in a group where people believe like they believe. That they are unified in a group. You know the coolest thing I, I, I can think about my daughter's being a part of this church and this family, is that just like this past Wednesday, I'm asking girls in the back seat, what are you laughing about as they were texting? They said, oh, nothing, Daddy. We're, we're just group texting with Miss April. We're, we're, just, we're just communicating with, with, with Miss April. You say, well, what, do you, what is that? But it's because April and Crystal and others But especially April and Crystal, every single week pour into my daughter's life. Every single week. The other thing that's been been really cool for me is God bringing Pastor G-Dog or Grayson and his family to us here at one. Because one of the things is, as pastor here... I don't want my girls to grow up and all they, all they know is me and my pastor and at home and setting the law and the rules and all this good stuff. And want them to have somebody else that will pour into their lives and that will lead them in a godly way and set an example. This is what can be, listen, don't you think for a second that you can send your kid off to school and they're going to find this kind of community. They're not going to do it. 
Now, they may, they may link up with organizations like SCA. They may create pockets like Arrington does at her school when they're not in Good News Club or not in SCA or any kind of organization like that or group that meets outside or before the church, I mean before school. But you can't just basically say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send my kid off into the society or into public school and they're going to develop this kind of closeness, this kind of community, this kind of accountability, this kind of uh, a love and sharing you, it's not going to happen. So you've got to be intentional about getting him to church or to meetings or to gatherings or to events. We have to set them up proper by giving them a community worth having. I'm going to stir your grits a little bit. One of the things, and it, and it doesn't mind, one of the things that I want my daughters to do is to grow up to, know, to, to not have to depend on especially any man. Know how to change a tire. Know how to fix things in, in, a, in a small way. It, it have to be because I don't know a lot about a lot either. Know how to wash a car. Know how to take care of certain things and do these, these certain things. And so I, I've always kind of ingrained that and pushed that in them and try to teach them that. And then God began to reveal this to me this week and really kick my butt on that. And I'm still going to teach them to be independent in that area and not to be uh, dependent on somebody else. But listen, as you want your kid to grow up to be independent and to be themselves, did you know that it's actually contrary to the Bible? Because the whole basis of us being a child of God or be a Christian is that we are dependent on the Father. So one of the things that we are doing injustice to our next generation as stewards is we're teaching them to be independent when it is actually anti-biblical. I am to be dependent on Christ. And once we learn to be dependent on Christ, we learn that Christ brings people, community, into my life and on my journey, whether it's in my school years, college years, my career years, or just in these years of my life in this season that he's given me a community that will love me and that will be accountable and that, listen, that will be unique. Send your daughter off to school and think that there's going to be a group that won't make fun of her because she's chose to keep herself pure and stay a virgin until she's married. That is contrary to what the world says today. Send your kid to school and see if it's not contrary and unpopular for them to read their Bible at lunchtime or break time and to have prayer before they eat or anything else. Uniqueness. That's what that word means. He is one God. It means that he is also not only just one, but he is unity, but he's also unique. And I want my kids to understand that there's unity in the fellowship of believers and that they cannot be worried about being unique, that it is quite awesome to be unique. We have to give them a community. If we're going to set them up properly, we have to give them a community worth having. Number two, a standard worth achieving. I could not wait to get to this one. I was even preaching a little bit to Heath the other day as I helped him. A standard worth having. Verse five, he says, Jesus would say it again, and we'll use it for next, next month's series, it and love yourself as you love your neighbor. But he said, you've got to love the Lord God with all. All means A-double-L. Literally, in the Hebrew, that word carries the idea of total or complete devotion. Did you know, did you know by the time that the Jewish boy was 12 years old, he didn't memorize one verse, he didn't memorize one chapter, that he had to have memorized the entire Pentateuch or the first five books of the Bible and be able to recite those? You're saying, who does that? Someone that has set the standards high for their children. Mm, I knew it would be quiet. 
It is amazing how we've dumbed down and lowered the standards. You know, this is, this is, this is what I, I was talking about the other day with Heath. Do you know, I, I, I pick on my girls all the time and I talk about how they talk all the time, right? Ask a million questions, just like last night. When am I going to be mature? They ask questions all the time. But did you know that in all the years that I've been a dad, I have never, ever, not one single time ever been asked by my child on a Wednesday or a Sunday or Saturday night or a Tuesday night, are we going to church? I've never been asked not one time by my child, are we going to pray before we eat? As a matter of fact, just like last night, I had her dinner, Lana's dinner ready. We were not ready to eat yet. She made her plate, sit it down, and it was just sitting there going to get cold. I had to say, no, babe, go ahead. You say prayer and eat because we're going to eat in a little bit. Why? Because we set the standard. You know, my girls will even argue over who's going to do the devotion every morning. Whose turn is it? Why? Because we set the standard high. You don't think your kid can achieve it. You don't think the next generation can achieve it. Why? Because you don't set the standard yourself. Oh, I knew it'd be quiet. Woohoo! It's a good one. Addie, you can bring that D up. Lana, you can bring that B up. One point. That's the only thing I say to her, man. The rest of them are all A's. We set the standard so low, we have to set a standard worth achieving. You say, Bible did it. Old Testament commandment, don't murder. Jesus, New Testament, don't hate. You want to set them up? Set the standard high. Mom and dad, set the standard high. Adult in this community, set the standard high. Don't let them look around if you're a youth leader. Don't let them look around and say, where are they? I understand schedules get crazy. I understand what it's like to have a job. I understand what it's like to work 80 plus hours a week just to bring home barely over $400 a week just a few years ago. I get it. But by George, every time the door was open, I had my butt in church and I had my kid with me. And you say, well, I don't have children. No, but you got kids that look up to you in this building. Set the standard high. I told the girls... As we begin this year, I read an article about, I think it was 10 books every teenage Christian should read. I said, this year coming up, there's some books I want us to read together. They get up in the morning, you know where they find me? They find me sitting on my side of the table, which is my desk. There's a stack of books to my left, and there's a stack of books to my right, and a notepad right here and a laptop or iPad in front of me at all times. What are you doing? I'm studying my Bible. I asked Addie the other morning, she went into the living room, what are you doing? I'm reading my devotion, Dad, I'm getting ready for devotion. Ours is not perfect. By no means. But what's your standard? I can tell you what God's standard is. It's all or nothing. Set the standard high. If you set the standard high in your study, in your service, in your sacrifice, why do you think your kid don't give? Because you don't give. Why your kid don't study? You don't study. Why your kid don't seek? Because you don't seek. Why your kid listens to that or watch that or does that or don't do that because he gets it from you or she gets it from you or from the adults that are influencing her life. And for every kid that doesn't have a biological mom and dad in their life, I can guarantee you they're looking to somebody to set the standard in their life. And don't think for a second I don't feel that full responsibility as lead pastor at one community. Don't think for a second. 
I can't be everywhere and at all events, but I try to show up or at least communicate to them that I think they're champions already and that I'm proud of them. Set the standard high, and you would be amazed if you set that standard high just what our kids can achieve. The third thing, and I'm done, I'm out of time, is we got to listen. We not only got to give them a community worth having, a standard worth achieving, but we've also got to give them a faith worth reproducing. We see that in verses 6 through 9. You say, what do you mean? He tells them to, and literally, they, they took this, this literal commandment, and so the Jewish and even the devout Jews still to this day, they wear a piece of parchment to, on their wrist, around their forehead, a little container that has, part, that has the Scripture in it. And they would put the, I can't even remember, I pronounced that word this morning, the Hebrew word, but they, they, put, they put a container with Scripture in it, not only on the doorpost, but above every door in the house and out by the gate. And it reminded me when I studied this, it reminded me of when my tigers, our tigers, or those that love the tigers, they get ready to get ready to go for the game. What do they do? They rub the rock. Did you know that it was tradition in a Jewish home that every time they passed by that door or passed by that gate, they would touch that gate? Or like one of my best friends, he's a Notre Dame, he's an Irish fan, been that way since we were kids. And I love because I've watched games with him. And before they come out onto the, onto the field, they have play like a champion today. As they come out of the locker room, every, every one of the players touch that, play like a champion today. What if we teach our kids every day that we read the Bible every day, that we say at least one verse of scripture? Hey, how about your house? Do you have some scripture hanging on the wall? Did you know that, 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 that I found it interesting that when we were in Africa, that they didn't have a lot in their huts? They didn't have a lot to decorate in huts. But you know what we found in most every home visit that we made? About 90% of them? We found, it, we found that the scripture or some scripture and a painting or a scene of the Bible was all over the walls. You got to teach them to have a faith that's worth reproducing. You don't have to be perfect, but you've got to be consistent. You don't have to be perfect, but you've got to be consistent. You not only got to be consistent, but you've got to be authentic. Did you know what a kid can do? You know what a young generation, you know what they can do better than anything? They can smell a fake a mile away. Do you know that? So if you're not careful, your kid's going to start doing this. Who faked? Who faked? They can smell it a mile away. Be authentic. Be consistent, not perfect. Listen, one of the things that my kids know well about me is that I am not perfect. I'm ashamed sometimes how I respond to a situation. I'm ashamed. I grew up, I said, I'm, I, I get kids, I'll never act like my dad. Never John Brown, if every time I turn around, I'm sounding just like him. One of, the things that, one, of the ki- one of the things the kids, or I'll make sure the kids, especially my wife, but, but especially my kids, the next generation, and one of the ki- your kids that, have, that are here, they, they know this about me, because I hadn't always responded well in front of them. Especially if we're off somewhere, because my number one responsibility outside of teaching them to love Jesus is for their safety, and I will absolutely give my life for your kid. No joke. My kids will tell you real quick, he's not perfect. They'll also tell you, he will also say, he's sorry. I think one of the greatest gifts that you can give to the generation that's coming up is to teach them to take responsibility for their actions. Stop blaming someone else. 
especially if you're in a divorce situation, you're, you're in a blended family, it's easy, to get, it's easy to get into this mindset, well, you acting like her and you acting like him, and if it wasn't for this and it wasn't for that, shut your mouth about them. I told you this, and I tell you all the time, my mother, God rest her soul, she would say to me, boy, you don't have anything good to say, shut your mouth. I'll tell you this way, LeBron James, he doesn't have to do any kind of pregame or even postgame. He does not have to say, I am a great basketball player. You know what he does? He just plays basketball. So I don't know how you're setting your house up, but as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We won't be perfect, no. But I'm going to be consistent, and the one thing that you probably already know about me, but they know firsthand, is what you see is what you get, and I will be authentic with them. I don't have, I've never, ever, as best of my knowledge, outside of the traditional things that you hope they don't learn until they get old enough to learn them, uh, to, to be taught those things, I have never lied to my children. Not one time. There are things they don't need to know right now. There's things that they don't need to have in full knowledge of. But I will not lie to my children, and I will not lie to my wife. And if you want to go a step further, I would never lie to you. So don't ask me if this looks good on you, because I will tell you what I think. And I would expect you to do the same for me. How are you setting your family up? Word, a word come to my mind as I close. Stand to your feet, please. I'm done. I'm way out of time. Man, will you come on and let's play the altar call. This word comes to my mind. Stay with me, though, please. Stay with me. I, I, I try, I'm trying to be done at 1130. I know our, our children, nursery workers, and stuff like that, it's a long time for them to have the kids over there. Be sure you thank them when you pick your kids up. You don't have to do it every week. One thing that my pastor, mentor, taught me, preacher Porner, who's in heaven, he said, man, don't, don't get up every week and say you love them. He said, you, you, can, you can absolutely, they'll get sick of hearing that, and they'll begin to think you're lying. But every now and then, it's good for them to, to hear, hey, thank you. Appreciate all you do for our kids, our babies. But this word came to my mind as I was sitting there this morning. I, I don't know where it come from, but just, it just, it just it, from the Holy Spirit, I hope. But I, I, I began to think about this as I was developing this last stewardship sermon. We want our kids to give. We want them to serve. We want them to sacrifice. We want them to be missionaries. We want them to study and live a pure life and a clean life and, and be virgins until they're, until they're born. I do, not want to, I do not want the school system teaching my kid about sex. I don't want a boy teaching my daughters about sex. And I think that would be reverse on the reverse with your son and all that good stuff. But this word come to my mind. Legacy. What kind of legacy are you leaving? You see, I was the first one in my family to graduate from college. My dad went back and got his GED, and he would go on to college, but I was the first one to finish. Because, see, the, the, the track record was, and I was following that track record, I had already dropped out of high school. See, my dad dropped out of high school. And I thought, because he worked in a cotton mill, and there's nothing wrong with working in a cotton mill. There's nothing wor- wrong working in a plant anywhere. But I thought that's what I would do. It didn't take but about a month or 12-hour swing shifts realize in, 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 the, in the weave room this boy right here wouldn't cut out from no cotton mill but I was the first one to kind of break that cycle the first one to serve in the church first one to go to church like I'm doing first one to definitely be called as a minister I don't think there's been any other minister And I, I began to think about I miss my great grandfather's conversations Latmore Hendricks he'd call me about every evening after I give my life to Jesus and move back up here and give my life to Jesus he'd call 
And he'd, he'd get lonely, but he'd, he'd call me and talk, and he'd talk about the Bible and the things of the Bible and things that he wanted to see us do and stuff like that. And I began to think about legacy. I plan to live a long time if Jesus tarries, but I, I, want, I want my daughters. <laughs> when I'm gone, I don't want my daughters to say he was fun. I hope I'm fun. I hope I am. I don't want them to say I was fun. I want them to say I was faithful. I don't want them to think about the toys that I've left them. I want them to think about the moments that I try to teach them. I truly look for those moments to teach them. I remind them often, look at those mountains. Don't you take those for granted. Look at that red bird. We have deer that run wild above us, you know. I mean, just, just crazy. They, they're always out in the field, Mr. Alexander's field. Man, I can't tell you. I'll, I'll come to a screeching halt and say, look at that deer. Look at those deer. You like I didn't say deers too, don't you, baby? Look at them. I want them. I want them. Sometimes, the older I get, the mornings are more difficult for me. And sometimes, I can feel almost frustrated as they're reading their devotion. I'm like, boy, I'll tell you what, it's, I just don't want to hear it right now. I don't say it out loud, but sometimes I'm thinking that as the girls are reading from the back seat. When I'm done... Oh, those are the moments that they remember the most, especially the conversations that we have, even though they're, they're maybe two to three to five minutes long. And the little short prayer that I breathe right before I let them out to go to school. So I, I don't know what you're doing to set up. I know unintentionally we do a lot of stuff. I talked about this the other day. My dad taught me a lot of things, work ethic, accountability, he also taught me a lot of things not to do. And sure, we'll teach them things not to do from our mistakes, but I pray that you are doing your best to set them up, to love the church, to set high standards for themselves, and to share their faith with a world that needs it. You see, kids are not the church of tomorrow. They're the church today. They're the church today. Let's pray together. Father, you know my heart. You know where I stand. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit has fall in this place, has fell in this place. And no one will feel beat up or be down, maybe convicted. But help us to just repent and just be obedient, God. It's all about the setup. If you don't set it up right, it won't run right. It won't function properly. You've given us kids, whether they're biologically ours, whether we're foster parents, adoptive parents, whether we're just an adult in this community and we have kids around us. We serve in the children's ministry or the student ministry. You've given us a responsibility to be stewards of those kids. And so, Father, help us do our very best. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe in this place this morning or watching online, you don't know Jesus and you're struggling. I can promise you that's the greatest thing that you could do for your kid to break that cycle and that generational curse is to give your life to Jesus. And so if you're here and you need Christ, I want you to say, Jesus, for there's no other name. Jesus, save me. Forgive me. I give my life to you. Thank you for giving your life for me. In your name I ask. No one looking around. If you're watching online, please let us know. Message us. Inbox. Just let us know that you 
cried out to Christ. If you're here this morning and you prayed on the count of three, will you throw your hand up in here? One, two, three. Just say, hey, I prayed. I prayed. Maybe here every head bowed. Maybe here this morning and you, you are that that's been unintentional and you feel like, hey, I've made some mistakes. The good thing is, is there's always a second chance. And even if your kid is grown, it is never too late. Last week, I was told this kid was dead, and he was. But I just talked to him the other day because God still had plans for him. So I don't want you to be beat up. But if you ask God, give me a second chance. Help me to start to set him up right now. I promise you he'll do that. But you've got to set the standard. Father, it's your altar call. Hey, look this way. We'll sing just a little bit. We're way out of time, but the altar's open. Don't, don't let that bother you. It don't bother me. If you have need, if you're looking for that second chance, or you just want to come and bring your kid down here, maybe your family, and just pray over them, altar's open. There'll be people here to pray over you if you'd like for them to do that, anoint you with oil, whatever the need may be. Maybe a sickness or struggles, altar's open. Pastor Thad, will you lead us and his team? Who'll be first? Just come. It's okay. Just come. Altar's open. No judgment. No criticism.